I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And these are our incredible stories. Hello and welcome back to all of our listeners around the world and across the United States. We're happy to have you here with us. If you are a new listener and you're listening to us for the first time, well, welcome to the show. We hope you like what you hear. And uh, if you like it enough, go ahead and hit that uh, like and subscribe button on your uh, whatever you're listening to because we can be found just about anywhere. And uh, join us every Friday for new episodes. Uh, today, we are going to be sharing a very interesting story. We're uh, in the month of November, and uh, I always think about pilgrims around this time um, and a, a few things that uh, were part of that uh, early puritanical uh, period of time. Uh, typically, I think about um, the Salem Witch Trials. Um, I also think about uh, the first Thanksgiving. Not in that order. I mean, Thanksgiving usually comes first to my mind before I think about the Salem Witch Trials. Um, and I also think about um, the, uh, the Lost Colony of Roanoke, which happens to be the story that we're going to talk about today. Uh, and, Dad, you've done a lot of research about it. Uh, but it is something that uh, is a big mystery in American history. And there's a, a lot of theories and conspiracies about what may or may not have happened to the people who are living in this colony. Um, but today I think we're going to delve into a few ideas of what may have happened. And I think uh, our listeners are going to find it fascinating and um, enlightening. Yes, I, I agree, Gary. And uh, in doing the research for this, uh, it was obvious that this is a story that requires two episodes. So uh, we'll begin uh, this evening with episode one, and next week we'll conclude with episode two. And I'll ask our listeners to just keep in the back of their mind this question. Is this a story about missing people, or is this a story about murder? Are we talking about a murder investigation here or a search for missing people? And so if you keep that uh, question in the back of your mind, I think you'll appreciate uh, the story as it unfolds. And it unfolds on Roanoke Island, which is here in North America. And it started in July of 1587. 117 people landed on our shores from England. They were sent over here by Sir Walter Raleigh, and they were the first English colonists in America. So, Gary, they predate the pilgrims. Uh, the pilgrims came in the 1600s. The <clears throat> Salem witchcraft trials were in the late 1600s, about 100 years after these folks first arrived. These were the very first people from England. <clears throat> now, the only known survivor of this colony was their governor, and his name was John White. John White wasn't a politician, so it's a little bit strange that he became the governor of this colony. Uh, uh, he had no political ambition or experience at all. In fact, guess what, Gary? He was an artist. He specialized oh. in watercolors. And what these expeditions from England did is they always sent an artist along who would 
uh, create watercolors of what they saw in the New World and then take these sketches back to England so people could have an idea of what things looked like over here in North America. So uh, he was also, in addition to the uh, governor of the colony, he was the expedition's official artist. I don't think a lot of people know that. No. So he was the official artist for the expedition. And from the moment they landed here in the New World, the colonists knew that something was dreadfully wrong. And it's going to be our job over the next uh, couple of weeks to try and figure out what that dreadfully wrong situation was. But they almost instantly knew something was wrong. Now, the commander of the ships that brought them stayed for a few weeks. They always had to, you know, uh, resupply and, uh, you know, uh, get ready for the voyage back. So they didn't immediately just turn around and go right back to England. And uh, he claimed later on that he saw nothing amiss as the colonists actually started beginning some, uh, to build some small cottages before he took off back for England. Now, on <clears throat> August uh, 18th, which was the month following their landing, the first English child was born in the New World, and uh, that little girl uh, was um, the child of John White's daughter, Eleanor. Oh. So John White, the artist, the official artist, and the governor of the colony, his daughter had a baby a month after arriving. Her husband's name was Ananias Dare, so the baby girl was named Virginia which is the colony that they were setting up. Oh. And her last name was Dare. And so we recognize that word because that name because I think at one point we even had a soft drink named Virginia Dare. So really? Yeah. So Virginia Dare was the first English child born in the New World. And there in Roanoke Island, which later became part of the Virginia colony. Now, several days later, by the way, the first English boy was born. He was beaten out just by a few uh, days by Virginia. Uh, and the boy was, uh, mother's name was Marjorie Harvey. So the first English boy born in the New World, his last name was Harvey. I don't believe we have his first name. Now, the births were a cause for celebration over here, but that celebration was mixed with an overpowering sense of dread. Again, the colonists realized something was dreadfully wrong. So the ship's captain was not correct when he said nothing was amiss. Something was very wrong, and he may well have known it. So later on, we'll be getting into some conspiracy theories, Whoa. and the ship's captain will be very much involved in those, some of those theories. Oh, I'm dying to find out. So shortly after arriving... The colonists discovered one of their members' bodies floating face down among the offshore reeds. His name was George Howe, and he had been murdered while fishing for crabs. They called really? it crabbing. They called it crabbing. Well, yeah. But, but uh, he was murdered while he was going crabbing. Yes. Uh, and uh, they found him with 16 arrows in him. Oh, my gosh. And evidence that he had been brutally clubbed numerous times by <laughs> war clubs. So. As if the 16 <clears throat> arrows weren't he, enough. He didn't die of natural causes or disease. Uh, the 16 arrows would lead you to believe that um, he had been murdered. Seems a little bit overkill, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, now, on August 27, 
nine days after that first birth in the colony, Virginia Dare, uh, John White feels the urgent need to return to England. Now, this is crazy. I mean, these voyages weren't something you just topped on a plane and, you know, 24 hours later you were back in Europe. Why would he do that? Uh, that was a very long and perilous voyage, and, and he just arrived. And this group was made up of a lot of friends and family members. And so what, what would make him feel that he had to just turn around and go right on back with the expedition that brought him here in the first place? Something had to have been dreadfully wrong, Gary. Oh, I would imagine so. Uh, and as I say, um, he would be leaving behind his daughter, his new granddaughter, uh, so he, he was convinced that something dangerous was threatening the colonists' very existence, and we're going to have to try and find out exactly what that was. He didn't want to go, but the group was unanimous. They wanted him to go. There was no uh, discussion about this. Only he could save them, they believed. So we're going to have to find out why that was. So he promises to return in three months, but unfortunately, Gary, it, uh, it's a promise that he'll not keep. No European ever laid eyes on the colonists again. Mm -hmm. And John White was, like I say, unable to keep his promise. It would be three years, not three months, but three years before he was finally able to return in 1590. Wow. Three years. And can you imagine the emotional suffering he must have been going through in England Horrible. for three years? His daughter, his granddaughter, other relatives and friends marooned over here, and he could do little or nothing about it. And as I said, acquiring passage over to this part of the New World was not easy. Uh, in fact, let me tell you a little something about his commander. John White had to sign on and come over with a pirate ship. Wait, hold on. What do you mean pirate ship? <laughs> well, uh, the commander of his uh, ship that brought uh, the settlers, the colonists over here, he was what was called an English privateer. And uh, these people were commissioned by uh, the English government to attack Spanish treasure fleets. So basically, they privateers were... Uh, government-sanctioned pirates. Oh, they were pirates for hire. Yeah, that's oh, okay. It. So, okay. So that would tell you that the colonists would certainly not be um, any friends of the Spanish who might be over here. Uh, so when he finally arrives in 1590 after leaving behind the colony three years earlier, uh, he found evidence of a, a small military establishment that had been set up a few years before the colony arrived. So parts of that abandoned fort were still there and only partially dismantled. And he also discovered some bleached human bones. Now, when he returned three years later, as I mentioned, 1590, every other trace of the colony had disappeared. So while he and his search party scouted the area, they came across a tree with the letters C, R, and A carved in it. Now, the members of his search party scratched their heads and wondered, oh, what's that mean? What's the deal with this? But John White wasn't uh, perplexed. He knew exactly what that meant. It seems that uh, he knew that the settlers carved that message especially for him. It was a signal that they had prearranged before he left for help. Mm -hmm. 
So the colonists were to give an indication of where they might set out for when they left that area because of the impending danger that they saw there. Right. So they were to leave carved in a tree an indication of where they went. And if, if they were in distress or imminent danger, they were also to mark the tree with a cross. The tree with the three letters had no cross carved in it. Okay, so they weren't in any imminent danger. So far as they knew. And White assumed they were not in distress when they headed out from their initial landing zone. Okay. Okay. So at this point, we're going to hold off till next week so that we can fully discuss several possibilities of what happened to them. We're going to discover the identities of some of those lost colonists. We're going to actually make them real people in our minds. We're going to delve into why the murder of George Howe terrified them and why they decided to relocate, where they decided to relocate, and what may have been their final fate. That's all in store for us next week on Richard and Gary's Incredible Stories. Wow, talk about leaving with a cliffhanger. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. these colonists, they were, uh, okay, they were they they arranged to have the whole markings put in the tree if they had to leave somewhere. But wasn't there a thing that the the name of one of the uh, Indian chiefs was carved into the tree? No, um, but uh, they had. Wasn't it Krakatoa or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, they had um, brought back in uh, when they first landed on the return back to England. They brought back uh, an Indian leader. Uh, voluntarily, apparently, and um, in 1590, they returned with him. Okay. I think it was 1590 that they returned with him, but they did return with him, but uh, no, the C-R-O, I believe it was. Did I say C-R-O or C-R-A? I said C-R-A. I believe it might have been C-R-O that uh, was recorded in the tree. Um, That has to do with something else, which we'll delve into uh, next week. Wow. Now, in in what you were reading, did you describe how everything was like just left the way it was? Yeah. I mean, not a thing was disturbed. Right, right. The bleached bones weren't necessarily those of one of the colonists. That could have been one of the uh, military soldiers that uh, had arrived a few years before the colonists uh, during the brief time that that military fort was there. I, I just looked up the name uh, Croatan. The word Croatan found carved in a tree on Roanoke Island. Um, mm-hmm. And my research said they didn't have the whole word uh, spelled out. They just had the, part of it. Three letters. And you can imagine how difficult it would be to carve in a tree a, a word that long. That's true. Yeah, that's very true. All right, well, I can't wait to find out what happens next week. So until then, I'm Richard. And I'm Gary. And this is just the beginning of of an an incredible incredible story. story.